1: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one of my friends. I'm just trying to make a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. When is it going to come in already? I mean, that is the question on everyone's lips, but it's the wrong question. As the averages crash through more records, Dow gaining 165 points, S&P climbing 0.36%, NASDAQ eventually 0.10%, each assault on the new highs is led by a new sector. Healthcare takes over, causing the cyclicals to fall behind. Retail charges ahead while tech drops off. The rotation gives you a leader, a server, if you will. And you've got a bunch of studs at the front jamming it down the throats of the Bears. So can the Bulls keep spiking the ball with impunity? Let's check next week's game plan. Alright we kick things off with Coca-Cola a stock that really hasn't done much well cuz it's not getting a lot of love PepsiCo reported a pretty good quarter and gained a bit by taking some market share not from Coke but from others I worry that Coca-Cola is pure beverage with no snacking business remember snacking stay at home people love that stuff but I still expect a good number from them and a great story about food service reopenings. I think Coca-Cola does well. Don't know if it goes well as PepsiCo. After the close, we hear from United Airlines. And if it's anything like Delta, you're going to hear about the coming boom. So the stock market can continue the terrific run, even as it's already up. This thing seems up 30% for the year, and it's going to continue going. I really do think. I think it's the right place to be. Next up, what will the new IBM do? The one that kept the fast-growing businesses led by Red Hat? I think it's too early to tell, but the stock's been hanging in there. And lately, the older tech names have been pretty darn strong. HP, Oracle, Dell. Maybe IBM joins them. Tuesday morning, we get results from three companies that we are typically, let's just call them stalwarts of the earnings season, Abbott Labs, Johnson & Johnson and Procter & Gamble. Abbott's done such great work on COVID diagnostics, hey, the at-home test is here, that it's hard to believe they won't hit it out of the park. J&J's gotten a lot more controversial, though I think it's been unfairly punished by a CDC that seems more intent on scaring the public out of getting a vac- vaccination than actually getting people vaccinated with some safety. I bet J&J has a fantastic quarter. It reveals an even better pipeline. But Procter & Gamble, do you know the streets actually worry about this one? First, there are tough comparisons versus the stay-at-home numbers that were putting up a year ago. Second, they're coping with real inflation from plastics, surfactants, freight, and that's putting pressure on their margins. I don't think they can pass on the entirety of those costs to the consumer. Too much competition. Now, after the close, Netflix reports. This should be fun. Netflix typically beats the numbers, and the principals always seem to have a great time talking about their business. They love what they do and don't take themselves too seriously. I find myself taking as many notes about what series to watch as what numbers they're going to put up. What can I say? Even the Netflix conference call has good content. Wednesday, we hear from Verizon. Will this stock ever move again, or is it just epoxied to the high 50s? I'm beginning to believe it's stuck there making it feel like more of a bond than a stock. I wonder if CEO Hans Vesper will be feeling any heat, especially given all the money he'll have to spend on towers after the recent Spectrum auction. I'm expecting nothing new here. If you got to own a phone company, I have to tell you, I prefer T-Mobile. After the close, we get results from what I bet will be the two, let's say the two of the week's best performers, Lamb Research, LRCX, and Chipotle. LAM is the answer to the semiconductor shortage. They make the equipment needed to manufacture new chips. The whole semiconductor capital equipment industry is simply, well, they simply can't handle all the business. They're just, they're not able to. When you hear Taiwan Semi endlessly talking about raising its capital equipment budget, that means that LAM is going to make a fortune. To think that they put millions of shares back at dramatically lower prices, smart management, great execution. Fantastic group of guys. As for Chipotle, its stock has been hanging around near its all-time highs for a little while. Now, biding its time, I think, for the big breakout, and I think you're going to see that next week when management talks about the pickup in business that's happening thanks to the great reopening. I'm betting this paragon of great natural food and phenomenal customer service will blow the doors off the corner, triggering another round of price target boosts as the analysts desperately try to play catch-up to the stock price. Thursday's got so much happening that I can't really do it justice, but we're going to start with Union Pacific. Oh, my. Well, look, I'm at home. I can't tell it very easily. I'm not going to press the train wreck button. I'm looking for the all-board button, but that's not here. That's okay. Anyway, you've looked at the magic. Is this magic? See where I am, really? (laughs) All right, anyway. Um, I think Union Pacific's going to tell a story of making more with less meaning efficiency galore. Then there's Dow Chemical. PPG's any guy from last night, it should put up some amazing numbers, allowing the stock to break out to the 70s. And that's a huge gain from where it was trading when CEO Jim Fitterling came on the show after he bought a boatload of stock in the 20s. (laughs) We also hear from Danaher, and, and I can't wait to see how well they're doing. This company's got tremendous high-growth healthcare business, part of which they picked up from GE for a song. I expect a fantastic quarter. How about Nucor, best of breed steelmaker? We're in inflationary year where it's transitory or whether it's not. So Nucor should put up some incredible numbers. That's no surprise if you're paying attention when they came on the show not that long ago. But I think we're going to hear about a return to the halcyon era of steelmaking in this country. After the close... We get results from the newly controversial Intel, now led by the terrific Pat Gelsinger, who's become an evangelist for a company that certainly needed one. I think Pat's doing a terrific job inspiring people both inside and outside the great institution. If the stock gets hit, I'd be a buyer. Gelsinger can't turn the Intel battleship on a dime, but it will be turned. How many companies can make a spike seltzer before it actually hurts Boston Beer's Truly brand? We heard from Constellation two weeks ago with its Corona seltzer. I think the Shorts will be leaning against Boston Beer, as they always do because of the competition. My view, the category is growing so rapidly the parent of Sam Adams should do just fine, thank you. Friday morning we hear from two companies with fantastic stories at Dell, Honeywell HON and Mercury Express AXP. Now, the former really should be biding its time, waiting for aerospace orders, but that's not how CEO Darius Damczyk does business. Honeywell's becoming a software as a building service play, not to mention an incredible healthcare company. I think the numbers can go higher still. As for Mercurys, Press, it's all about gauging the power of the Great Reopening. With its combination of small business, uh, uh, remember they offer credit, travel and entertainment lines, we should be able to get a good read on the strength of the recovery going forward. It's going to be a fantastic barometer. Finally, also on Friday, the CEO of Bristol-Myers, Dr. Giovanni Cavario, well, he's going to take the stage to explain what his company's got going for it. I think the world of both Cafario and Bristol Myers. Uh, but can the stock break away from the pack? Not clear. Maybe we'll hear how much money these guys have really made from the Celgene acquisition. And then maybe we got some justification for the Myocardia purchase. That could be big. Here's the bottom line. Next week marks the beginning of the real earnings season, not the bank earnings season. It's very boring. And and we're actually going to get the impact of both inflation and the reopening. I think the former's a big negative. But the latter's so positive that the ball can stay in the air, ready for beautiful stuff over the net and to the floor. I say we take calls. I say we go to Gregory in California, Gregory. Hi, Jim. As a a COVID survivor and J&J vaccine recipient, I just want to say how grateful I am to you for
2: your honesty regarding the CDC Uh, and how ludicrous their behavior is, because frankly, it's left me feeling a little bit unvaccinated.
1: um, They've done, uh, frankly, their narrative they've created is disgraceful. It's disgraceful. But go ahead. How can I help? So three months ago, this company IPO'd at 49 bucks and doubled on its debut. Today, it's trading somewhere in the high 60s. You know, they did a similar deal with, with Shopify that PayPal did with eBay way back in the day. This company has an exclusive point of sale rights for ShopPay, Shopify's checkout service. They also have a similar deal with Walmart. They're growing at 45% year over year with 75% gross margins. I'm not looking for a double like in the next quarter or anything but over the next year or two am I wrong thinking firmly that a firm is a fist pounding buy Oh, well, booyah! That's a good way to put it. Look, I think I think the World of Live journey was on this week on on Tech Check, which is the new show that I just I think is fantastic. Here's the issue: there's so the competition out of nowhere. I mean, there's just competition out of literally nowhere. Uh, I think a firm's going to hold its own, and I I exactly why you like it, I like it. Which they made a deal with Shopify, and Shopify wouldn't just make a deal with anyone. I think you're fine, but it's not going to roar too much competition. All right, earnings season is shifting into high gear next week. And that's when we'll learn about the real impact of inflation, but also the real positive, the great reopening. We we'll have money tonight. Could Chamath-backed insurance disruptor called Metromile be worth considering here? I think you got to find out about this one. I'm going to take a close look. Then, the most controversial of all, QuantumScape stock dropped more than 12% yesterday after short seller Scorpion Capital published a report questioning the company's battery performance claims and pretty much called it the next Theranos. I'm giving CEO Jagdeep Singh the floor. Tell his side of the story. And it's one of the tech sector's newest unicorns. Has private player the Zebra earned its stripes? I've got the exclusive. So stay with Kramer.
3: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com.
1: In the past two months, the entire Spac complex has been laid to waste, which is why I spent so much time warning you to stay away from these things. But now, many of them have come down to levels where you know what—we got to take a hard look at them. Which brings me to Metro Mile, a company that's trying to disrupt the auto insurance industry that we all kind of aren't fans of, frankly. The model. Metromile offers personalized insurance for low-mileage drivers, a group that now contains two-thirds of the drivers in the United States. And I bet that number's going higher thanks to the rise of remote work. If you don't drive much, you're probably getting ripped off by your insurance company. You don't even know it. And that's where Metromile comes in, with policies where you can pay by the mile. They say their average customer saves 47% versus what they were paying before. Well, this thing's got some high-profile backers, including Mark Cuban, and uh, Chamath Palihapitiya, who's a, involved with a lot of these. He's from Social Capital. But after surging at 20 bucks a couple of months ago, the stock's plummeted to just under 8 bucks as of today. You're now getting a, a 20% discount to where the SPAC backers got into Metro Mile. That's very unusual. So could the stock be enticing at these levels? Let's check in with Dan Preston. He's the CEO of Metro Mile. to get a better sense of his business and his prospects. Mr. Preston, welcome to Mad Money. Hey, great to be here, Jim. Thanks. All right. So, Dan, uh, I don't drive a lot. I did when my kids were younger, and my car is mostly in my garage, but I haven't changed. I pay the same rate as I always have. How can Metromile help me?
6: Yeah, you're a perfect example. Um, yeah, so Metromile, we're digital insurer. And as you said, um, we're offering insurance that's tailored to you as the individual. So, instead of that flat rate, that you pay, we only charge you for the actual miles that you drive. Um, so people on average who drive less than the, less than the average, which is two-thirds of drivers, end up saving about 47%. And basically, you just sign up at metromile.com, um, you get a monthly fixed cost, which is a really small part of your premium that you pay, and then cents per mile. And then we connect to your car either through a device or directly with the vehicle, and then you only pay every month for your actual miles driven. Uh, and so in effect, that means that, you know, most people who drive less than the average, and especially in your case where now you don't drive, um, would end up saving a lot in their insurance relative to the standard fixed rate insurance.
1: Well, okay, Uh, I see car companies spend, uh, the auto insurers for cars, spend a fortune advertising. And they all kind of compete against each other, really on name brand, not that much on price. Uh, I look at your growth, uh, which is right now not as much as I'd like to see from a company, but I believe that if everybody knew about your company, they would uh, there are many people who would switch. So how are you going to get the word out? Because
6: I think a lot of people are paying too much for their car insurance. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So it's interesting. The the way that you traditionally have to sell insurance is that because they're all, all the products are largely the same, it's largely commoditized, you uh, put your brand out there. You make sure that you're top of mind for everyone so that when they decide to switch insurance, you are one of the two or three companies that you go and look at. What's really unique about Metro Mile and Per Mile Insurance is that there is a reason for you as a customer to believe that by switching today, you will actually save, right? The way you live your life by being a low mileage driver means that you will save. You don't have to wait until someone decides to switch insurance. And so we have been getting the word out through um, the product experience itself and through a number of digital channels to be able to connect the idea of how you live your life, whether you're working from home, you take public transit, uh, you're recently retired, whatever it is about your life that leads you to being a low mileage driver and then connecting that idea with those savings. And what's really exciting is that once someone becomes a customer, we found that people are really excited about sharing that then with people around them, their friends and family who also drive less. And part of what drives that experience is that people join initially because they save, but they end up actually saving for more than just their initial per mile saving. So we, for instance, offer a um, fully automated, seamless digital claims experience. Um, normally, you have to sit on the phone and explain what happened at the time of the claim. You can just enter this into your phone and be on your way. And what's exciting about this is not only is it easier for the customer, it actually means that our costs are lower and that leads to lower prices for our consumers. Um, But we also help people avoid parking tickets and diagnose car issues. Um, And that customer experience that comes afterwards has proven to be one of the most valuable assets that we have as a company because then your your marketing becomes less about just um, putting your word out there or getting your brand out there. Becomes a lot more about what is the real value that we can bring to our customers, and Metro Miles product in or,
0: addition
6: or to being. It, on the it, well, let me ask you Dan, uh, When I look at that, yeah. and it does
1: sound like a terrific uh, proposition, we were looking at your documents and said, one-year new customer retention rate as of year 2020 was 69.4%. Is that uh, to, to us after listening to your proposition that seems low? Uh, why, it, or
6: in your industry, is that extraordinarily high? Yeah. In the industry, it's actually quite strong. Um, so what you typically find for large insurance companies that have been around for a long time is that they'll retain somewhere between 80 to 90% of the customers that they already have on board. Right. And that is actually looking at all of their customers, even the ones that have been with them for 10, 15 years, because we're a younger company, we're sharing what is the retention rate after you first join with you. When you look at our customers who have been with us for uh, two or three years, their retention rate actually is also in the mid-80s. And so if you look at our numbers, our average I lifetime of customers is about three and a half years, it's actually comparably better than most insurers. So,
1: I mean, where, I mean, people can go to what site, what do they do if they want, if they've listened to, to what you're saying? Obviously, many of them may be paying too much. What do they do?
6: Yeah, so it's pretty straightforward. Just go to metromile.com. You enter in some basic information and then really quickly, you can get your monthly fixed cost per, plus your per mile rate. Um, what you'll find is that your monthly fixed cost is typically about 30% of what you normally pay, and the rest is all mileage. So if you drive less than 1,000 miles a month, you typically save with Metro Mile. Um, the, other, the other way you can find out about us is downloading the app. Um, and with that, we'll actually um, give you like a little trial period, which we call ride-along, and we'll help you estimate actually how much you'll mm-hmm. save by using the sensors on the phone.
1: Well, look, I'm going to do it this weekend. Uh, I'm obviously paying too much. Didn't know about this service. I'm not endorsing you. I'm just saying, well, I found this intriguing when I was doing the homework, and I wanted to know from my assistant why I'm not using it. I've already sent the email. Well, look, Dan, it was great to have you on the show. I think you've got a great concept here. Don't understand why the stock's so low, given the concept. That's Dan Preston. He's the CEO of MetroMiles. Great to have you on the show. Thank you. Man Bunny's back after the break.
3: One EV company is facing intense backlash After the release of a condemning report, the CEO of QuantumScape is firing back and responding to the allegations next.
0: The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
5: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations.
1: telling you how these electric vehicle SPAC names are finally facing intense scrutiny from aggressive short sellers, and in many cases, they deserve it. Yesterday, though, it, it happened to QuantumScape. That's a company that's developing a better electric vehicle battery. And to my mind, I, I don't know, I've had them on several times. I'm one of the most legitimate players in the space. Now, though, a short-selling outfit, very smart guys, uh, called Scorpion Capital, has published what I regard as pretty incendiary, a 188-page report that accuses QuantumScape of being, in their words, a pump-and-dump SPAC scam, one that's in the fraud pantheon with Theranos. Now, on the surface, some of this stuff seems pretty damning, though not a single one of the sources are named. A lot of it's based on the intricacies of battery physics, and frankly, that is beyond me. However, after taking most of the yesterday to review the report, QuantumScape has come out swinging. Management says they stand by all their published data. They point out that they've been the most transparent of solid state battery developers. And this morning, the CEO and the CTO joined analysts from Morgan Stanley in a webcast to respond at length by their own desire. To uh, in many, in great detail. Last night I extended a public invitation for them to do the same here, and they took me up immediately. So let's see if we can get to the bottom of uh, what's going on here with Jagdeep Singh, the co founder, chairman, CEO of QuantumScape. And by the way, the short seller was on Melissa's show yesterday. I think that's important to point out on Fast Money. So, Mr. Singh, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Great to be here as always. Thank you, Jagdeep. Okay. Uh, first, I just want to set the stage here. Uh, you have a technology that you've always been transparent on. Wall Street uh, actual shareholders have hyped it to the point where I think that there's uh, it's a little bit at odds with what you've always said on the show, which is it's new technology and you hope it works out. Is there a dichotomy here between what you've been saying and some of the overenthusiastic people who may have taken it too high?
7: I think we've been always pretty transparent about what we have and the work that remains to be done. I think we've made clear on one hand that uh, we have, we believe, addressed one of the fundamental issues that have held back solid state batteries over the last several decades, which is, of course, a working solid state separator. That's the heart of a solid state battery. Uh, And that's a a pretty substantial breakthrough. And if you talk to the experts, um, they they will recognize that. On the other hand, we've also made clear that we're not done yet. Uh, We have to take the solaceous inhibitor. We've shown that it works in single-layer cells. We've also shown that we can make four-layer cells out of it. But we now need to stack it up to make multiple uh, dozens of layers. And then we need to ramp up production. And production ramping up, obviously, is not trivial. It's not Physics, but it requires a lot of uh, a lot of execution uh, capability. Uh, so those are those are tasks that lie ahead of us, and and we've been very transparent about that. Uh, you, you know, to your opening points about transparency, right. that's one of the things, frankly, that we pride ourselves on. We think we've been uh, the most transparent of any solid-state battery company. We put out data that has you know all the parameters listed on our data slides, and and yeah, hopefully uh, we've tried to portray a really accurate sense of both the opportunity ahead of us uh, as well as the the tasks that remain to be done.
1: Okay, well, I know I've had you on several times, and uh, one of the reasons is because of your relationship with Volkswagen, and you got 100, you just made another milestone that got you a second $100 million. But also because, for instance, recently, yesterday, you added uh, Selena, excuse my pronunciation, if I get a pronunciation here, uh, Milo, uh, let me see, Miko Lajak. And uh, Selena is the number two person at Panasonic Gigafactory in Nevada. And to me, knows more about battery technology than almost anyone in the world. I have to believe that both VW and your new board member, Selena, took a lot of time and made judgments and didn't need to be invested or join the board.
7: A hundred percent. I mean, Selena is one of the world experts in uh, not only battery technology, but battery manufacturing. If you uh, were to get a tour of the Gigafactory, you would get an amazing sense of how deep she is. Uh, and even though she's on our board, uh, you know, we fully intend to uh, leverage her uh, with our, you know, our execution team on the manufacturing front. Uh, so that that is absolutely, in our view, a, a great, uh, you know, a load of confidence when somebody with that depth of knowledge, you know, agrees to serve on the board. Obviously, J.B. Swabo is already on the board, another you know, world-class battery and manufacturing expert. Uh, you know, we have some great, obviously, venture capitalists who've done a lot of technology plays over the years. So I think, I think there's a lot of um, you know people that have uh, looked pretty deeply at, at what we have, uh, and and um, you know, we're we're pretty confident that the numbers that we have are are you know are, are pretty uh, pretty groundbreaking.
1: Okay, so our viewers are obviously not institutions, and they're people who. Are afraid. They're afraid that they've, been, they've lost a lot of money on SPACs. And one mm-hmm. of them asked me to say, could you please ask Jagdeep, uh, is there another lockup coming that might be expiring before they decided, you know what, the stock's been knocked down by short sellers. This is an opportunity. I think that's a legitimate question to ask. Is there a lockup expiration coming? Well,
7: we've been very clear in all of our uh, SEC filings what what the various lockups are. I mean, there are, you know, like any public offering, there are various lockups that expire, I believe there's one coming up towards the end of May. Um, you know, but I think if you look at the core team here, the, these are people that uh, they've been here for ten years, and um, they're they're on a mission. The mission is more than just you know creating economic value. That's obviously fantastic, uh, uh, but along with that, we also want to make an impact. Uh, uh, on 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 emissions on the climate, uh, and I think um, you know uh, these are not people that are here uh, to um, you know just to, to to flip the stock. Which, by the way, is more than I can say about a typical short seller, as you as you know, a short sellers. This oh. value you sort the stock and then and then try to publish a report to get the stock to drop because that's and then they come their stock and they're out of there. So I think you're looking at you know a very long term committed team uh, that that um, you know has, has demonstrated its commitment.
1: Well, also. Um- the Volkswagen deal. I mean, Volkswagen gave you that second hundred million dollars. Obviously, they didn't have to do that if they felt that uh, you didn't meet the milestones. But at the same time, what did they get for their hundred million dollars?
7: Well, so they committed last year to make a two hundred million dollars investment, and the first hundred million dollars of that had no closing conditions other than time. so that uh, that round closed in December. The second hundred million dollars was tied to this milestone. And the milestone, uh, again, was, was defined up front uh, by them. It was a specific uh, uh, you know, set of uh, dimensions of our cell, uh, a specific rate of power that it was tested at, a specific te- a specific temperature, and a specific cycle life, all done in their labs. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we provided the cells to them. Uh, we shipped them to, to Germany. They tested them. The, the cells, uh, you know, uh, worked successfully. And, uh, uh, and as a result, they uh, went forward with the $100 million.
1: Now, in your, you still, even though this is early technology, your projections are pretty aggressive. Do you feel good about the projections of how much money you can make in say, out four or five years as this process goes along? Because as it is early stage technology, everybody wants it. I mean, the world wants this battery. It's faster. It's cheaper. It is going to be much cleaner. But it does seem like uh, that the amount of money that you're going to make, that you say you can make, I- is, uh, let's say, possibly that it may not be able to, you might not be able to generate it that quickly.
7: Well, here's what we know. I mean, you know, we know that the demand for batteries not, not right now is near infinite from the standpoint of our ability to produce batteries, not only now, right. but even in the intermediate term. there's just everybody out there wants batteries. We also know that everybody needs a better battery. And you just pointed out the idea of a battery that has 50 to 80% greater energy density, which means greater range, can be fast charged, uh, you know, is, is uh, 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 safer, it's lower cost, it has longer life. Those are all attributes that apply to every application for battery. So if you could actually build that battery at scale, uh, absolutely we would expect the demand for that to be uh, very dramatic. So the question really then becomes, uh, you know, can we in fact, Uh, you know, uh, 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 get this battery into production and how quickly can we ramp up that production? And I think the key things to note there are one is, you know, the core science of, uh, of is there a, does a technology work, that we've demonstrated not only in our labs, but in multiple automotive OEM customer labs. They've done the testing and they've actually, you know, seen the same results that, we, that we've published. Uh, and secondly, relative to scaling up production, not only do we have right. people like J.B. Straubel and now Selena Michalajak uh, on the board uh, helping us do that, but we have, we have BW, one of the world's largest manufacturing companies, uh, including one of the top three OEMs in the world. Uh, doing a joint venture with us, so it's not just a little startup out of California. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a technology uh, company out of California coupled with uh, a manufacturing giant uh, that has to scale this up. Uh, and and when you couple that with okay, the expertise well, well, that well, with Panasonic's, uh, you know, uh, but, director brings, that, that's a really co- good combination.
1: Okay, now the the it's 108 pages. It's pretty savage. Uh, I didn't go into with the charges of fraud or the thernos, but let me ask you something. Um, 20 years ago, someone wrote a, a whole book about me, and the book was filled with lies. And I, I sued him. I went to court. I got the book pulped. No one saw it because it was filled with lies. If you think this is filled with lies, why wouldn't you do the same thing I did?
7: Well, we're absolutely going to look at that. I mean, the, the reality is um, some of those uh, points, we I mean, don't want to get into point, 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 but some of the points in there are just are just absurd, absurd to the point where they're they're in fact – uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, things that we we, we want to uh, take legal action on. So we're gonna we're gonna look into that, and, and uh, uh, based on the advice that we get, you know, uh, pursue that. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, our business is to build a better battery uh, and uh, really, uh, right. uh, 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 you know, deliver this to our customers who, who are asking for it. So we don't want to get too distracted either. Uh, but you know, we feel pretty good about where we are. As I said, we've been very transparent about the data we shared. You know, we've shared incredible detail about our numbers. In fact, that whole report uh, wouldn't have been possible if it weren't for our numbers. They did no original research of their own. They just took our, our slides and just kind of regurgitated them. Um, so uh, I, I just don't think there's really, okay. um, uh, you know, uh, 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 any merit to these kind of things. I and mean, the agenda is clearly clear to drive the stock price down so they can profit.
1: Right? Understood. Understood. All right. Well, look, Jagdeep, I'm glad you came on the show. I'm glad you. I, we asked you to come on. You said absolutely yes. Morgan Stanley, boom. You wanted to go in front of them. Adam Jonas, yes. Don't know what more you can ask for. That's Jagdeep Singh, co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Quantum scheme Thank you, to thank Jagdeep. You. It is great to see you on the show. Always was a pleasure. Let's stick with Kramer. Thank you.
3: Coming up, is the insurance game ready to change its stripes? Kramer goes off the tape with a company that wants to put the customer in control. Next.
1: You know us. We're always on the lookout for the next big thing in any given industry, and that means checking in on, sometimes, on the smaller privately held companies, meaning you can't trade the stock, that are shaking things up. Take The Zebra, okay, you got to use the item to get the site, which runs an independent comparison site for home and auto insurance, lots of different things, boat insurance too. It has raised $150 million in a fundraising round, values the company at over $1 billion. That means The Zebra is now a unicorn. I think it's got an intriguing concept, making it easy to comparison shop for insurance. They're taking A process is notoriously opaque, as you probably know, trying to make it transparent. Could this be the future of the industry? Let's take a closer look with Keith Melnick. Now, Keith is the CEO of Zebra. we got to learn more about this company. Mr. Melnick, welcome to buddy.
2: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Now, Keith, you were uh, at Kayak, where I used to get good prices for travel. Uh, Can you tell me uh, how similar these are and why did you leave Kayak for uh, the Zebra?
2: Well, I mean, the, conceptually, there's some huge similarities. There are surprising similarities between travel and insurance, uh, but it, it's still the same consumer problem, trying to make it easier for consumers to compare um, what can be harder things to compare and find the, the right product for them at the right price. Um, and I, I really switched, I joined Kayak when there were eight of us, so I saw it through uh, from a startup to taking it public to being bought by Priceline um, and I knew I kind of had one more shot in me and had the opportunity to go to the Zebra, which was about 50 people, uh, looked at the problem they were trying to solve in the market and, and noticed some uh, wonderful similarities where it was a giant market. Uh, home, auto insurance, in particular, is a huge market, very fragmented, more fragmented than I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it surprises people. There's a lot of consumer dissatisfaction in the shopping process. Um, and what really surprised me was it was nobody doing a good job in terms of making it easier for consumers to to compare and shop for insurance. So um, that's why when uh, some okay. investors decided they wanted to invest and asked me to come along, I, I definitely decided it was worth the effort. All right. So, well, Keith, let's, let's I mean, I,
1: I, here's what I wonder. Uh, sometimes I do I, go, I Google cheapest auto insurance. I, yeah. That's kind of how I do things. I mean, is that not the correct way to go about things?
2: I mean, it, it, uh, it's going to be time consuming and well, there's a couple things that could happen. Uh, you could wind up bouncing around from, uh, insurance supplier site to insurance supplier site. Uh, and it's going to take you a lot of time because you're going to have to enter your information on all of them. And you get one result back based on what that carrier has. Um, or even worse, you could wind up going to a lot of lead gen sites that are out there today. Um, which is nothing more really than arbitrage that they buy you once they sell you off five or six times. Uh, you probably get a lot of phone calls. Uh, So it's not the best way to do it. What we really do is we'll we'll get your information. uh, We'll get the the rates back from our different insurance partners. Uh, We use some algorithms to show you the best results. And then we'll help you find out what you want and either send you off to the insurance carrier site to buy it uh, or we'll help you buy it ourselves. So we just try to make the thing so much easier for you to find what you're looking for.
1: I mean, if someone does do a, a, does take a policy, uh, the insurer pays you a percentage of, uh, in order so that you get
2: compensated somehow. Well, we yeah, we will get paid either just a flat rate for them buying a policy or if we bind it ourselves, we get a commission for it. Um, but it, it's, it's nice because we're incentivized. Okay. I mean, a consumer who's shopping for insurance, they, they primarily want to find the right policy for them. The insurance carrier wants to sell them a policy. So we're all incentivized the same the same way. I'm not trying to do anything to a consumer that doesn't make sense for them.
1: And, and then uh, one more thing. What is the mode here, Keith? I mean, look, you're you could say the mode is Keith because he did kayak. But I wonder whether other people say they watch the show and say, oh, you know what? I'm going to get some money. I'm going to do the zebra, that, you know, the zebra with stripes, whatever. How do we keep it so that other companies doesn't do the same thing you do?
2: I mean, the, the nice thing is this is not an easy thing to do. Um, when we started Kayak, uh, it, it, you know, that was, it was so long ago, it was before the iPhone. Um, so it was a long time ago, and we really revolutionized uh, the UI, or engineers did. They, they were amazing at that. Uh, but there was a lot of underlying technology that could give us the different rates for flights and hotels. That really doesn't exist in insurance. So the fact that we can pull in price, uh, prices from so many different insurance carriers, that's not easy to do. Be really difficult for somebody to come into the market to do that Um, and scale matters in this market too so the the fact that we've built scale we actually can be meaningful to insurance carriers build some trust with consumers i mean ultimately what what we're trying to do is become an advisor for consumers and help them find what the best insurance policy is for them and that means you have to have the right content and so we've built this relationship with hundreds of carriers Um, you have to be able to give them good advice and you have to be trustworthy um, so, it takes a long time to get there.
1: I I can see that. I can see that. And I, you know, look, obviously anything that saves money, we are in favor of on Mad Money. Keith Melnick, CEO of The Zebra, thank you for coming on the show.
2: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Right. Mad Money's back after the break. Coming up next... Let's make money together. What do we got?
3: Kramer's bringing the thunder and answering your burning questions in today's edition of The Lightning Round.
1: Wait a second. Before we begin tonight's Lightning Round, I want to congratulate our show's director, Alan Babbitt, who is retiring from CNBC after an incredible 28 years at the network... Has done a wonderful job behind the scenes, making sure Mad Bunny never misses a beat. Even when COVID presented new production challenges, Alan rose to the occasion. I, along with the entire Mad Bunny staff, will miss you, and we thank you for your dedication. And now, and now, it is time for the lightning round. Of course, everybody, what's that about? Brad Parks, one of the, and i say goodbye, bye, bye, so you, you know you have say, so. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Dad? Time for the lightning round, guys. Let's start with. Jason in New York. Jason,
7: how you doing, Jim?
1: Jason, couldn't my, be better. My how about you? About Lithia Motors. Good. My question. Oh is man, about I, lithium like lithium lithium. Course, we- I like Lithia. Of course, I like Lithia. I call it Lottie. Why? Because that's where my daughter lived in Lithia, uh, right next to the Lithia Lithia Park, and that is exactly where the company's located. And man, is it ever smoking good! Ah. I buy it right here. How about we go? To, uh, John in New Jersey John What's up Johnny I don't know, You tell me So I have a What's question going on? I've been looking at WWE stock for a while um, They just signed a five okay. year deal Which will bring in the company $200 million per year From Peacock uh, NBC Universal Today it closed at about $56 right. Do you think it's, it's, it's worth a buy Yes, I do. It's a very smart, well-run company, and uh, Stralis Elnick says the same thing from Take-Two, which, by the way, stock was down very badly, I don't know why. So I think they're in good hands. Let's go to Corey in Illinois. Corey.
7: Hey, Jim. This is Corey Corey. from Chicago. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. How about you?
7: Who you? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Been a big fan of your show. Been watching for over 11 years now. So just wanted to say thanks for all your great wisdom and entertainment over the years.
1: Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thank you.
7: Well, uh, today I wanted and to. And a stock, too. You probably you have a stock. Yes, I do have a stock. I was wondering about IIPR. They're a.
1: Uh, it's a cannabis warehouse company. It's one of the safest way to invest in cannabis. I am a big, big believer. I think you got horse sense with that one. Let's go to, oh, Chance in Texas. Chance. Oh, come on. Let Chance speak. Shut up. Chance. Yes, sir. Booyah. From San Antonio, Texas. This is Booyah. Chance. I want, I've been watching you for a few weeks, and I love it. I want to see what you thought about Fiverr International and its competition upstart. Well, look, Fiverr is the company that we've profiled. We think it's a very good company. It's a a freelance. It's weird. It's got like this kind of cool freelance model. And I'm a giant believer in it. But the stock is among the most expensive companies we follow. But it keeps getting it right. And uh, I'm going to give you a 2 point. I think Wix is the same. I like that one, too. All right. Let's go to Mike in Pennsylvania. Mike, Mike, Mike.
7: Jim Cramer, Thank you for taking my call, sir. Of course. Hey, Jim, uh, at 120, you said it's going much higher. Now my stock is trading at $104. What do you think of UPST?
1: Well, remember, I also liked it when it was uh, you know about 70. I mean, here's the problem with this company. It is hugely shorted. Uh, 20% of it is shorted, and guys try to knock it down all the time. Uh, I think it's a very good AI credit company, but apparently people feel that Dave doesn't have anything special. Dave Gerrard, I actually think he does. I think it's a good situation. So I'm not backing away. Down five today. Let's take one more. Let's go to Jason in Alabama. Jason. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. My
6: pleasure. my My stock today is United Natural Foods, symbol UNFI.
1: This company's made a major comeback. You know what? It was really a bow wow, and now it's done well, but it's up 125%. I suggest you wait till it cools off before you buy anymore. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
3: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, will a looming geopolitical challenge become a threat to your portfolio? Kramer takes on the China conundrum, next.
1: Is China making... Any effort to fix its deteriorating relationship with Washington? When Biden was elected, the business community hoped that the situation would cool down and we'd get more access to the now booming Chinese economy, which, as we learned just last night, grew at an 18% clip in the first quarter. It would have been easy, very easy to calm everything down, frankly. Now, remember, two and a half years ago, uh, Vice President Mike Pence gave a big speech at the Hudson Institute where he basically laid out the strategy for a new Cold War. Only with China... Fill the role of the defunct Soviet Union. Pence accused the Chinese government of everything from meddling in American elections to imprisoning and torturing a million of its own Muslim citizens while also cracking down on Tibetan Buddhists, leading 150 monks to literally set themselves on fire. Like the old USSR, Pence accused China of harboring imperial ambitions, using its wealth and power to co opt nations all over the globe through its Belt and Road Initiative. But the big flashpoint has always been Taiwan. For many years, Taiwan claimed to be the legitimate government of China. It's where the nationalists set up shop after they lost the civil war to the communists, while China has never stopped claiming that it owns Taiwan. Ever since Nixon agreed to recognize the People's Republic, we've been walking a tightrope there, protecting Taiwan's autonomy without pushing for its full independence. China wants complete reunification. But with Taiwan protected by the U.S. military, there's not a lot they can do without potentially causing World War III. Every once in a while, though, the Communist Party decides to test us. And now they're taking that to a whole new level, with 25 Chinese fighter planes crashing through Taiwan's airspace just the other day. When Biden was sworn in, many observers thought he'd renounce his predecessor's Cold War strategy, uh, the, the one that outlined by Pence and then executed by Peter Navarro, who endlessly accused China of stealing anything and everything from jobs, the secrets, the opportunities for American companies to do business on an even footing. That doesn't happen. Not at all. In part because China keeps ratcheting up the tension. Instead, Biden has stepped up calls for China to stop its human rights abuses. That's the last thing the Communist Party wants to hear. A trade war was one thing. They can handle tariffs. That's just money. But they don't want America pushing for stuff like religious freedom or democracy. Turns out our deteriorating relationship with the PRC was always about more than Trump. The Chinese government views the United States as a sunsetting superpower, while they keep getting stronger and stronger. That's why the situation keeps getting worse. Tensions haven't been this bad since right before Nixon went to China a half century ago. It feels like everything's become a weapon, even orders by Chinese auto companies to buy as many semiconductors from Taiwanese factories as they can. Well, which really did fuel the shortage here in America. The Chinese market is hugely important to so many of our companies, whether we're talking about planes sold by Boeing or sneakers and cell phones sold by Nike and Apple. And now everything feels like it's in the balance. i got to tell you, I'm not feeling great about this. Not at all. There's always room to make a deal but I think it's much more likely the relationship keeps getting worse. Maybe our government can get Europe on board in a coalition of rich democracies, but Europe relies on China to buy 25% of its exports. The Chinese Communist Party is betting that that ship has sailed. And I think they're probably right. If you want to be a cynic about it, the rest of the world doesn't see this as a conflict between dictatorship and democracy. They see two superpowers fighting for dominance, and they don't want to get roped into it. Right now, we're not on a collision course with China. We're past that. I still don't think the Chinese government is crazy enough to make a run at Taiwan. But the fact that they're willing to be this bellicose means that they have no interest in going back to the old status quo. There will be no olive branch, and that has huge implications not just for the stock market, but for the whole world. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you Monday. The news with Shepard Smith starts now.
0: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you.